you know, I like to do like a, uh, basically, I like to be transparent and we are re-recording this because we recorded it before and I think I was, I watched it again and I was kind of unhappy with some of the things I was talking about in our first recording of our movie review of us. So you were very um, accommodating and said, hey, let's do it again. I'm like, all right, I'm down. (laughs) Yeah, I I think uh, we I also saw it a second time and mm-hmm. I, man, I think these movies actually just get better the second time around. Like yeah. you know, it allows you to catch more of the details and the little callbacks and uh, things that are similar. Right. So. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry, I'm pouring a beer actually from your neck of the woods, uh, Prairie Prairie Artisan Ales. Oh, nice. I was at Prairie last night. Oh, <laughs> I have yet to be, but you have to go, but um, they are, they brew fantastic beer, especially their stouts. Oh yeah, for real. This it's is their snicker, snickerdoodle vanilla noir. Oh, noir, that one is whatever. good. Yeah, um, last night, what did we have last night? And again, I was drinking last night, like drinking, drinking. So um, I can't remember, it might've been bourbon paradise that, bourbon barrel Ooh. paradise that I had last night. Whatever it was, good. it was really good. It had like a great pineapple coconut um, mm. flavor in there. It's really good stuff. All right, so let's get to the movie Us. It's uh, Jordan Peele's second movie, and I would argue it's his most um, horror, more horror-type movie compared yeah. to the other two. Um, between Get Out, that was more like a mm-hmm. psychological um, thriller, and Nope was kind of a mix of between a psychological thriller and a horror movie. Cause there were some horror movie elements as well as yeah. uh, some thriller elements. Yeah. There's definitely like, um, you know, they're kind of genre bending movies where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, this is a Nope was kind of a horror with sci-fi or a sci-fi with horror elements. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah. A bunch of ways you could, uh, categorize that but us was definitely for me the scary one like right yeah i totally agree um just the whole uh the whole vibe of the movie the whole from start to finish uh, a lot of it was filmed at night so you know there's a lot of dark uh, scenes um so that 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 always adds to horror movie right like you oh, know yeah. all the scariest yeah. movies are at night yeah things goosebumps and fear street and goes bump in the night and all that type of stuff yeah and you know like well do you wait do you want to start at the beginning because i'm just going into like i'm was going to jump into something that's in the middle of the film but (laughs) well you know go ahead yeah go ahead jump yeah you know the first time they see the family in the driveway that's a very effective horror moment that only will work if it's dark outside you know yeah yeah because we see the family and with the backlight so you 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 don't know they're just figures at that point yeah and you don't really realize it's them until you know they they come into the house yeah and they're they're just lined up on the driveway and yeah that's so yeah so the immediate you know the 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 bare bones plot of this movie is there's a family in santa cruz and they get uh attacked by themselves by their doppelgangers and they have to survive and then they lo and behold it's happening all over the world yeah one of my favorite things about this movie is the nod to like hands across the across America right how that was a real thing so Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and it was such a weird it's such a weird thing too that like what we were fighting hunger 
hand by holding right. hands across America, and it was supposed to be this like big togetherness moment, but it didn't like it didn't fully work out. No, because there was war- large swaths of the of the country that just didn't people just didn't want to stand it. <laughs> yeah, people just like no, there aren't even enough people living in this part of South Dakota for us to even populate. Right. But you can't have hands across South Dakota, I guess. And like, I rem- I'm old like, enough. To- Go ahead. I'm you sorry. I was just gonna say that I love the uh, commercial for Hands Across America that he chose to use in the movie, and I did go back and like look that up on YouTube, and it it's like there are so many different ones, and I didn't remember like I was real little, I didn't I don't remember mm-hmm. any of that, but um, the one that he uses like the narrator says like what has 12 million eyes, and it it's like. <laughs> What a weird thing to say. What has 12 million eyes? You're like, um, maybe an Eldritch War. No. Didn't it say it like. It's across America. Like, uh, yeah, 12 million eyes, uh, 196 teeth or yeah. some fucking odd, something odd like that. Yeah, it's just like this weird. Yeah, it's like that is a really weird way to advertise this. It's a really weird way to put that. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. No, thanks. Why not okay. like, you know. Uh, 12 million souls and or 12 million hearts or some or you know six yeah. million hearts or something like that. <laughs> I don't know that that makes it better than like what has 12 million hearts, you know? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or um. But yeah, I remember I was old enough to remember Hands Across America. I was I was, I was like around nine or ten when it was going on. I didn't know really what it was about or what it was for, but I knew that they wanted to join, create a human link, a chain if you will, you know, people holding hands all the way across America. I thought it was a, a neat idea and I wanted to be part of it, but I was too young to even, you know, suggest it or figure out how to do it. And I'm sure my parents wouldn't let me just go out. Well, I don't know. It was 1986. So back then, you know, you let your kids go out and do whatever they want as long as they come home by the when the streetlights turn on. Yeah, you know, my parents might have sent me off with my sister to go join hmm. hands across America. Like, bye, mom. We're going to go hold hands with some weirdos. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Yeah, it could. It could still happen. Who knows? Someone's uh, eyeing this and then coming up with their own. But I don't know. With COVID and uh, now monkeypox, although that seems like a lot harder to contract than COVID. COVID's very easy to contract. Like, but that is how you would get monkeypox is by holding hands with somebody that had monkeypox. Oh, I wouldn't. So, yeah, I wouldn't. Ugh, ugh, so, I yeah, saw so pictures of it. America, it would just never work. It would just, no. it could be social distancing across America. Six, six feet apart, you know? Yeah, be less let's people. all get together and stand six feet apart. You, you need less people to do it. <laughs> right? We might be able to fill out South Dakota this time. <laughs> there might be, yeah, might be enough South people. South Dakota is going to message you and just I'm be angry about this. So I apologize. South Dakota is a great place. There's just not a lot of you. No, there's not. Or Wyoming or Montana. There's. Yeah, it's uh, a big country. That's why they call it big country, because there's just a lot of space. Yeah. Um. So, so the movie opens up uh, that there there's a family uh, walking on uh, Santa Cruz boardwalk. Dad's a little tipsy, wanted to win prizes for his kid, you know, thinks he's a. Um, so didn't he say like, oh, I could have been in the major leagues or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because he was throwing uh, those the balls to knock the milk bottles down in. Uh, when's uh, the kid a t-shirt, a Michael Jackson t-shirt, and even the yeah. mom's like, yeah, she was scared. Shirt. Yeah, she was scared of the video, and that was a pretty scary video. I don't know if you ever watched it. 
Yeah, like when you I were was young. scared. Yeah, I was scared of that when I was little. Like, it freaked me out. Yeah, that was that John Landis-Rick Baker combination that worked very well in American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that one. That's a frightening, that frightening movie. That movie is so scary. Those, the yeah. transformation sequences in that movie are so good. Yeah, it, to this day, still, it holds yeah, up. And it it's all practical. Well. It's all practical effects. There's no CGI back then. Yeah, and yeah, and I think that a lot of those practical effects techniques, like, and they they hold up a little better than the CGI. CGI. Yeah, yeah cause I mean, because uh, if you watch like an early CGI, like you know, in 1992, we thought mm-hmm. that was like amazing and cutting edge, but you could tell it wasn't real. You know. Yeah, and if you I go think. Back uh, and watch that same thing today. You're like, yikes. <laughs> I think uh, the best one, best case for that argument is Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. You you watch it now and you're like, oh, like that's that's all they had. <laughs> right. But we were so impressed, though, with that melting, like the metal, morphine. Yeah. And like morphing and like coming up from a puddle on the ground. Yeah. We were impressed with that. Yeah. Oh, you know, what still holds up kind of is uh, Jurassic Park, the original kind of the CGI still yeah. holds up in that very well. Yeah. Not perfect, but yeah. it's pretty it's pretty perfect. good. good. It, it was kind of used sparingly and mm-hmm. in you well, know alongside practical effects. I think it, that can work pretty well. Yeah, and you had Steven Spielberg, one of the greatest directors of his generation, directing yeah. it, so he knew how to use it right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But oh so yeah, so they, yeah, yeah. Well, go so ahead. anyway, so we've already yeah. got on our first tangent for today. Exactly. So they're walking through. And the dad's tipsy and the mom's irritated and they're like, and it just feels so ominous because you can see the daughter is like walking ahead of them or she's walking behind them and they're Mm -hmm. not really paying attention to her. They're not like very focused on keeping an eye on her. So you you know that something's going to happen. And they show the uh, creepy guy with the Jeremiah eleven eleven sign. And yeah, and I have that up. Yeah, I have the the verse right here. Therefore, thus saith the Lord: Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. That's that's brutal. That's a brutal passage. That's pretty scary in itself. Like yeah. You know, the first horror novel, the Bible. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty scary in itself. But you do think, like, when they show this guy and they show her walk past this guy, you're like, oh, this guy's going to kidnap her. But that's not what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, she, no, yeah. She walks right past, uh, walks down the steps to the beach. And I've been to Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk right now. Everything's good so far, except for she gets, comes into Hall of Mirrors. Um, do you remember what it was called? The Hall of Mirrors? Uh, um, it was a Native American name, right? Oh, gosh. I can't remember what it is. Um, Did you write that in your notes? I, I forgot. That, yeah, I don't think I wrote. I know that uh, it changes to Merlin's Forest, but I can't remember right. what it is. Um, okay. No, that's fine. At I, the start. I, yeah, I remember you, you pointing that out. And, and so then I noticed it the next time I watched it, but... Um, there is no Hall of Mirrors in Stephen uh, on uh, Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, and there are no attractions on the beach. So, her walking down, and I, I was like, "Oh, bullshit!" 
I call bullshit. I saw a call shenanigans. <laughs> they added that just for the movie. Um, but yeah, for those of you out in Santa Clara or uh, Santa Cruz, know that what I'm talking about. Um, everything else was, was proper though. All the games and everything, and the rides, the Big Dipper, which yeah. is the uh, large roller, wooden roller coaster, which is a fabulous ride um, in itself. But uh, yeah, so that's that's not accurate. But it was it was advice for the movie, so I'm not gonna. Um, nitpick too much about it but I just thought I'd point it out <laughs> yeah I I think that um, the, that shot where she's going down the stairs mm-hmm. onto the beach and it's like a pitch black staircase um, I really liked that shot in the mm-hmm. movie it was just so foreboding and then she stumbles into the hall of mirrors and you know, you're like, well, things are about to just get way worse, but you know, you're not prepared for the fact that she's going to see what is a reflection of herself, but not because it's like a different shirt, and you know, it's it's her, but it's not her. So, right, because she turns around and the reflection doesn't turn until after she sees her the back of her own head, and then turns around, and then it just stops. Right, it just yeah. Next scene, it, we don't even know what happens. It was just like a. Yeah, and that's when she was whistling in the in this, right? Yeah, the itsy bitsy spider song. Yeah, she's whistling. Like, okay, what little kid can whistle that well? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The uh, the whistle back was the one that was was the whistle was a was a good one because when she was whistling, I had no idea it was itsy bitsy spider. The only reason I knew that was because of the captions underneath. <laughs> oh yeah, because it does pop that up and says whistling itsy bitsy. Spider. Yeah, I'm like, are you serious? Do are we are we thinking of the same song here? <laughs> 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 but re- real quick, rewind just a few seconds. She has that candied apple that she does not touch, and then she just drops it in the sand. Oh, yeah, that's kind of annoying. It's <laughs> like this perfect. I wonder how many uh, perfect candy apples they wasted dropping in the sand to get that shot right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's Probably true. A lot. Maybe, maybe it wasn't a real candy apple. It was a prop prop apple. Yeah, it could be just like a plastic prop. But uh, yeah, yeah, she just drops it. She doesn't eat it at all. Yeah, that kind which of is me. I would definitely be eating it. But I, are you are you a candy apple fan or a car- caramel apple fan? You know, or both? I prefer like candy apples. Why is that? Because I prefer caramel apples. I think because we used to get them like when we would go to the fair, mm-hmm. to the Oklahoma State Fair, like, and that was always like a big treat to get, and you know you couldn't find them outside of like the fair. So true. Yeah. But you know, my my mom would make caramel apples with us. Yeah, like every fall. So we had it more often, but candy mm. apples, because we only went to the fair like once every couple of years. Right, um, yeah. So, yeah, so that was like a big treat. So I think it's just a nostalgia thing. I haven't had one in years, and maybe if I had one, I would be like, this is not as good as I remember, but yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I think uh, the fact, because when you bite them, sometimes they, they, they kind of crack in, in mm-hmm. the shards, and I didn't like that. And sometimes you buy one, and it's like, got a cinnamon to it and i didn't like that i like just the regular candy but with caramel apples you know what you get every single time and yeah. it's soft and it's easier to eat that's why i like them better that's the only reason um so we fast forward in the movie um as far as timeline wise uh to a scene it's already been like what like maybe a few months now and they're the the parents have taken uh the young girl uh who um we know now is Addie. 
uh, short for Adelaide, mm -hmm. and they're at a therapist's office, and we find out she can't talk. Um, she has PTSD. Um, it's funny the dad goes, "How could she have PTSD? She didn't go to Nam." Right. Yeah. Well, and that seems like a pretty. It was pretty progressive that she was going to therapy anyway, because I, mm -hmm. I feel like there wasn't a lot of uh, child therapy. But, you know, maybe they, maybe there was because like there was a lot there are a lot of child therapy scenes in horror movies, you know, like The Exorcist yeah. and all, you know. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that child therapy was that common then or I don't think it was. And then the understanding of PTSD that we had then was like, not this isn't for kids. You know, this is for soldiers coming back from war or. Right. You know, things I like remember that. seeing uh now, I don't know if you ever watched that movie Patton, but they didn't even call it PTSD. They call it shell shock. Shell shock, yeah. Yeah, and and Patton was very, um, he was unmoving by shell shock boy, uh, soldiers, and it was very like, I don't know. You you look back then, it's it, you cringe now, but you know back then that's just the way they handled it. It's like, hey, stop being a pussy and get back on the front line. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of. Yeah, it was kind of unexpected to see that scene where, mm -hmm. you know, they have the daughter in, in therapy and it's like she just no longer talks. Yeah. Yeah, she's done. And, um, but the therapist said, hey, I think she gave very good uh, advice, you know, keep her dancing, keep her, you know, into art, artistic stuff like that. And I want to fast forward to a scene when the family finally gets to the the mom's house or the, the grandmother's house, I guess, or, you know, the Addie's mom's house. And there's that picture, the painting of it looks like a mom and her child and they're they're doing the soup the oh the, the yeah. flexing. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that's that's Addie painted that of her and her mom. And it's not uh um Addie's kid and and herself. It's actually Addie and her mom. Oh, that yeah, that could be. Yeah, so I I think that's a that's smart a, smart catch there. Smart catch. I mean it could be either. I mean they they it's a really well done painting and it could just be a mom and a kid, but you know, it, we can't tell who's, who's the mom and who's the kid. Right. Um, and so let's see. And then, uh, and then that, that's when we fast forward to the scene in the car, right? Where the family's driving, you got the, the dad, the mom and the two kids driving oh, yeah. to through the and woods. I, I love this scene. Cause the dad is like, he's such a dad. <laughs> Gabe Gabriel, I think Gabe. Yeah, that's the name yeah, of the dad. You know, he's he's always making the little dad jokes, and um, he's yeah, he's always making the little dad jokes, and I think the daughter asks something about like the internet, and he's mm -hmm. like, "Why you don't need the internet? We have the whole internet, you know, like <laughs> pointing so to the great. outdoors." And I love but that. I love that line. That's a great line. Gonna to this like adorable family because they're just too cute this family is just too oh. cute oh yeah when they're driving through and i got five on it comes on and the parents mm -hmm. are grooving because it's taken back to when they're kids and then they're like is this about weed it's not about weed but it's dope i thought that was a great <laughs> line that too. was a great one <laughs> um so yeah the the kids are zora and jason and I think I pointed out to you last time. I was—I wonder if they named her Zora to show from like A to Z, Addy to Zora A, Z. I don't know. That's just my own machinations, but that makes sense. It, it does make sense. And they drive to the house, and then there's you know some 
there's some talk about it was the mom's house and it seemed like the maybe the mom passed away recently and also i don't know if it was during this this scene in the house or maybe later on it just seemed like the mom Addie's mom and dad had split up years prior and this is where Addie's mom lived before she died and she gave the house to the family yeah that yeah that seems to make sense that tracks in line with like what we know about the family and in the movie so yeah and uh then uh there's mention that they're gonna go meet a family on the beach and have some fun and Addie's like no I don't want to go to the beach and I don't know if she doesn't want to go to the beach because she just does not like the family or if I know the um, the daughter doesn't care for the 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 other family's twin daughters <laughs> because they're they're terrible so she yeah. is right to not care for them because they are they are terrible well, um, well the, the the mom of the other family played by El- Elizabeth Moss isn't that great either yeah well and I think there is a scene where Addie says like um to Elizabeth Moss's character she says like she's not used to just like sitting and talking she's not used to mm-hmm. sitting and chatting with people and like making small talk like she's not good at it yeah and like it makes her uncomfortable to just sit and talk um and you know of course like that's very foreshadowing for the end you know when we find out what happens but yeah um yeah but, but Jean- she's uncomfortable with them and she's also uncomfortable at the beach because of what happened she could just turn around and see the the source of her PTSD right behind her yeah. with the men, with the hall of mirrors. But it seemed like maybe like the, it was, it was the two dads who were friends, right. Or maybe coworkers. Yeah. I think that that's where the, uh, the friendship of the family started. Uh, I don't know. They never really delve into that. They don't delve into that, but you get the feeling there's a dynamic between the two dads where it's like, uh, Gabriel's doing a keeping up with the Joneses kind of a thing where right. he wants to get the boat and, um, he's impressed with Josh's generate. It's Josh, right? Yeah, Dad, I believe I think so. The other father, I think it's Josh. They're like, he's impressed with the generator that they have, and you know, they they're clearly a little more wealthy, well-off family, and and he's kind of. Well, maybe I think maybe it's like they they have older money than than uh, than Gabe and Addie do, because yeah, they have money which too. Makes sense, yeah, it's just a little bit older. Um, yeah, so they're on the beach, and somehow they – well, they just lose track of, of the son, Jason, and he goes wandering off to the uh, – doesn't he go wandering off to the uh, um, to the Hall of Mirrors? Does he go inside? I forget, but I know he sees – Yeah? When he tells his sister he's going to go to the porta-potties, and instead mm-hmm. of going to the porta-potties, you – see him walk by that same guy right jeremiah eleven eleven guy yeah yeah you see that same guy again and that the uh hall of mirrors is changed to uh merlin's forest and um, right right yeah at that point um well they had seen the on the way to the beach they had seen a car accident and it was that jeremiah eleven eleven guy getting put into the back of an ambulance yeah and then he sees him on the beach, uh, the back of him, and his uh, his hands are dripping blood. Yeah. So you know, like you know, something's up with that because you saw this guy getting put in the back of an ambulance. Mm-hmm. But here he is. 
Um, I don't remember. I don't think he goes into the Hall of Mirrors. I think yeah, I don't he's think so about either. to go into it. And, you know, Addie runs up and, you know. Yeah, realizes that Jason's missing, so she's running around frantic. Uh, of course, any mom would run around frantic if she couldn't see her any one of her kids at the, you know, in a public place. So yeah. finally catches up and. Yeah. And I, I want to point out like a couple of little small details. Yeah. Um, during the scene where the two moms are talking right before you see that the hall of mirrors is changed to Merlin's forest. Um, Elizabeth Moss's character is looking at a fashion magazine. Mm-hmm. And she turns it around and you see that it, it's a woman in a Native American headdress. Oh, I didn't And then didn't they go that. over her shoulder and you see it's no longer that. So it's kind of this parallel, I think, to mm. what the Hall of Mirrors used to look like instead of what it is now. Oh, good and, point. Uh, yeah, so and then there's the Jeremiah 1111 dude. And um, when Addie's alarm clock goes off, it, or like, or when she looks at the clock and it's one of those old digital alarm clock right. bases, you know, it's the time is 11, 11. And so that's when she wakes up after this scene. So. Yeah. I like, think, well, she's putting Jason to bed and then you see that they show that the clock is at 11, 11. Yeah. That's, that's it. She's putting Jason to bed. She's not going to bed. She's putting him right. to bed. And, but they're know. all going to bed around the same time and they go to bed. <laughs> I love the part where, um Gabe is laying on the bed and it's like what kind of fucking small ass bed is this yeah he's all like ready for magic what do you call it magic time and he's a, yeah and he's a tall dude and this he's a big like, guy not just tall he's just a he's a an athlete or you know football player size yeah this is like a full size <laughs> bed maybe it's like not a queen for sure it's not even a queen but a super tween maybe, yeah yeah it's like one of those college dorm beds that's slightly larger than a twin size yeah but what do you think you're gonna do in this little tiny bed but yeah he's mm. he's laying there and then she's trying to explain that um she doesn't feel like herself and he she tells Gabe about what happened during her childhood the first yeah for the first time which is do you do you find that surprising or is that something that you would you would kind of uh deem as like uh that makes sense because it's something you don't want to relive and you you never thought you'd have to to bring it up for any any reason or do you think uh it was yeah uh, maybe a plot hole i mean i kind of think it was something that she like a trauma that she pushed down and she just never wanted to discuss it, where she was like, I'm just going to move on with my life, and I'm not going to think about this, but it's in the back of my head all of the time. And, like, you know, since then, what did she say? She said, um, it feels like this little girl is still coming for her and, will, like, won't stop coming for her. Oh, yeah, yeah. To be, or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, I think that's just, like, how much she sort of just pushed that fear away and pushed that trauma away. And she's like, no, I have a good life. I just want to live my normal life and I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. But he's like, he's like, oh, you know, well, okay, well, why don't we just leave tomorrow then? You know, he kind of dismisses it. Like she wants to pack everybody up and leave like right then. Yeah. Well, we don't know where they actually came from. So they had a long drive in that morning and then they go to the beach, which I, I, 
it's a very it's an exhausting experience going to the beach because you have the sun and the you're you know um you're just exposed. It, you get exp- exposure to tiredness or exhaustion, whatever you want to call it. And you get home and you're just like, ah, just let me sleep first. Let, otherwise, we're gonna drive and I might fall asleep behind the wheel. So I get he, why yeah, he said. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of it seems like that's the response most people would have to be mm-hmm. like, you know what, you're just tired. You know, everything's gonna be fine. Like this isn't a severe crisis. Mm-hmm. Let's just go to bed and see how we feel tomorrow. And if you're still upset, then we'll pack up and go tomorrow. And it seems like that's a reasonable thing to say. It's a com- it's, it's like, a compromise, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like you know that's perfectly reasonable. I don't know if my spouse came to me and was like, "Hey, we need to go right now." And I was t- I'm terrible when I'm tired. Yeah. I am oh tired. yeah. Like oh yeah, me too. <laughs> Like, I'm grumpy, I'm moody. And... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I would probably have been like kind of shitty about it. I mean, like, you're <laughs> not getting in the car. Absolutely not. Let's go the fuck to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, here's some Unisom. You know, here's some <laughs> melatonin. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> here's some, here's some Indica. Yeah. This like, will hit you just right. Yeah, just, just be <laughs> fine. Just go right to sleep. But this is when the fun starts. Well, you know, the fun as far as right, yeah. this is, viewing this is pleasure. when it gets crazy. Because this is when you have that scene of, um, and, and they're, they're still like arguing back and forth. The parents are. And uh, does the daughter get up? I can't remember. Was she already up or? No, remember she's uh, put the phone away and then she says, right. okay, she turns it off, but then throws a cover over her head and starts getting yeah, back, on her, course, back <laughs> on her phone. And then. The son comes out and he's like, Jason comes out. He's like, uh, there's a family in our driveway. Mm -hmm. And at that point in the movie, and then they show the, they show them in the driveway. I was just like, nope. Nope. Yeah. Nope. That that might be the the best shot of the movie as far as like encapsulate what the movie's about. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, mm, mm. yeah. But their response to this is like, it's reasonable. Again, the way that they respond to this Mm-hmm. is I like I feel like it's relatable I feel like it's how most people would respond like you know the mom is immediately like she's gonna call 911 and the police say they're like something like 16 minutes away or it'll take them 16 minutes to get there mm-hmm. or something like that well they're they're out in the middle of the woods so it, that that makes sense yeah and we're not to the point yet where it's like a crisis with a bunch of other people. So mm-hmm. we don't know yet what is happening with anyone else. We only know what's happening with this family. Right. Right. So the dad is like, think she, he's like, you're overreacting. I'm just going to go out and talk to these people. And he's mm-hmm. a big dude, right? He's probably yep. used to people. Like if he's going to be like, you can't be here. You, you know, he's, probably the kind of guy that you would be like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to back off. Like I'm not going to deal with this, but that's not what happens. No. Yeah. That's not, well, yeah, (laughs) he's, he's very like, uh, you know, polite at first, you know, Hey, you know, I'm apt to ask you to leave or call the cops, you know, he's doing everything right. You know, he gives them a warning. They're not, they're not, you know, um, they're not leaving. So then he starts getting like a little macho. He puffs up his chest, you know, yeah. deepens his voice. You could tell he deepens his it voice and dog out really quick. I'm sorry. Okay. It. No, it's fine. He deepens his voice and like, he's not going to be intimidated 
by these people who aren't moving. And yeah, that's when they start coming after him. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm going back in the house. Yeah. It's back in the house and uh, locks it. And then <laughs> they get the hide a key. <laughs> they get the hide a key. And I, I love what he says there. It's something like, what in a hide a key? What in the white people? Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is so true, though, because like, we used to hang out in high school at like one of my best friend's houses and they had a hide a key. It was the exact same hide a key. It's like, looks like a rock, like a fake yeah. rock. And you pick it up and there's a little thing you open and there's a key in there. And probably everyone we went to high school with knew that was there and could get it to their house <laughs> at any time. And, you know, nobody ever like broke in or anything, nothing bad ever happened from this, but it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're inviting see that stuff. In, like not in the like white suburbs, really, where people yeah. are trusting. You know, it's the kind of place where people still leave their doors unlocked or whatever. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I remember our parents had to hide a key only because um, we were my brother and I, like yeah, 12, 13 years old. They trusted us to go home and be by ourselves until they got home from work. And we had our own key. But just in case we lost it or we forgot it or something, there was a spare backup. But. I think that lasted for like a year or two. And then they realized we didn't, they didn't need to put it out there. So they, they removed it. So, but yeah, I think it was a rock too. And it was behind some plants too. So they totally double hit it. Right. Yeah. We had a neighbor who had a spare key. So oh, okay. if we were ever locked out, we had to hope that the neighbor was home. <laughs> right. To go get the key. So, which probably, that probably kept me out of trouble, like not wanting to go talk to the neighbor probably kept me from like sneaking out or other things that I probably would have done if I had just had a hide a key. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. If there was a hide a key, you could just go out and come <laughs> back and your parents still wake up and why is, why is Amanda sleeping until one o'clock every, every afternoon? <laughs> right. Like, who knows? Yeah, so, you know, but they, they made the right moves. Like, they did mm -hmm. everything that you think you're supposed to do in, like, a situation like this. You know, you call 911, you warn them to move off. He, The dad gets out the baseball bat. They take the baseball bat. Yeah, um, that yeah. was a pretty funny scene, too, because they just, like, yoink, that's mine. Yeah, it, it was so <laughs> quick, you know, like, got it. And then smash them over the knee, and they get in, and they confront, and then they, they tell them exactly the whole reason why they're there, right? Yeah. Addie, the Addie's doppelganger, um, who's called Red in the movie, introduces him to Pluto, and what was the name of the, uh, the daughter? Because Pluto was Jason's doppelganger, and the daughter's doppel doppelganger, I forgot her name, I'm trying to look it up right now. It was Pluto and... I'm like, I feel like I wrote this down, but I have so many useless notes in the way. Oh, Umbre. Umbre, yeah. Which and, is like the Latin version of Shadow. Yeah. And uh, that was, that's also like, that's a really good, like, name, like, mm -hmm. play on that. That's really good. But, man, the child actors in this movie, the young actors, they're really, really good. Yeah. To be I, able I to agree. play the doppelganger and play the doppelganger so scary and then play the, you know, normal child that is having, like, normal child reactions to all of this stuff mm -hmm. is, like, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and the, um, I thought Lupita Nyong'o, she just, she should have been nominated for Best Actress because her, 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 uh, her, um, 
her acting in this is just, it's a, a, a next level. It's above and yeah, beyond. Yeah, she knocks it out of the park. Now I'm letting the dog back in. All right. Um, no problem. That's the thing I have to do today, I guess. Come on. And Abraham was really good, though. Um, well, Abraham was the uh, Gabe's doppelganger. And, and uh, let's not, uh, you know, he was no slouch either, the, the actor. Yeah. What's the name? Winston Davis or something like that? Winston um, Duke. Winston Duke is the actor's name. But, yeah, they were really good. Um, that's about the time when uh, Pluto and Jason go off to play. and Yeah, and we saw in a scene previously that oh, and, the door oh. to this closet sticks. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, his sister, like, kind of locks him in there in retaliation for other things that he was doing. Yeah. And, uh, he has, what is it, like an old Chewbacca mask that Jason it, has? Yeah, he he wears it like as like an escape from reality, right? Because he's got yeah. his own mental issues too. Um, let's not forget that Abraham, uh, Gabe's doppelganger, just grabs him, and just fucking pulls him, just drags him out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "You're coming with me." Like, um, you see this big, huge, imposing guy, and he's just being treated like a ragdoll. Yeah. That's that's fucking scary as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, yeah. So like. They come in the house and they sit down and they explain, she kind of explains the whole thing, how the tethered work, right? They call them the tethered. Yeah. And they have, they talk about the rabbits, which you saw in the opening credits. You're like, yeah. Are these and rabbits? the tunnels, the yeah, tunnels so, that they explain in the beginning that there's millions of, or miles of tunnels underneath the U.S. Yeah. And basically... The government had a secret project where they were creating doppelgangers for people mm-hmm. to try to control them. to try to control their actions and control their behaviors. But it didn't work out. They abandoned it and they just abandoned all the doppelganger people in these tunnels. And the only food source they have is rabbit. Right. Right. And so, well, is is, is that why the the Jeremiah eleven eleven guy came out because his doppelganger uh, or his counterpoint in the upper world died, so he was able to come out and just stand on the beach. I, you know, that's really unclear, but I kind of think like they never show it. But in my mind, I, it was like, well, he somehow like he pushed him in front of the car, or oh, he was the first one to to. That's what I thought was like he was the first one to commit an actual murder. Mm-hmm. Um, but they that was just kind of left really unclear. But that was my thought was that he was the first one that actually. Oh, did you see the makes, blood dripping off his hands and yeah, that makes like, sense. Did he stab him and then like shove him in front of the car and so it looked like an accident? And nobody noticed because people yeah, aren't no, going to notice a crazy guy. People try to ignore boardwalk walking out in front of a car. Like like uh, Lydia said in Beetlejuice, people tend to ignore the unusual. Yeah, I myself am strange and unusual. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that's how he got away with it because no one's gonna really. People try to. Some people try to, uh, or actually just ignore homeless people just so they don't have to deal with it. They don't have to, out of sight, out of mind type of deal. Right, and I think that you know people on their holiday coming to the beach are definitely gonna like try to just ignore that and move on with their vacation. So right, um, yeah. But the concept to me of the tethered and these people that are like just a shadow 
of another person and they really have no free will and they just have to do whatever the other person is doing. And like, that's so scary to me. Like how would it yeah. be to be like trapped in that situation? And you, you see when she's explaining it, they show the scene of the girl feeding her boyfriend French fries, you know, on the boardwalk. And yeah. During, during Addie's youth, uh, when in the, in the opening scene. Yeah. And you, you see like, but their shadows, their tethered or, like ripping apart raw rabbit and feeding it. That is really scary. And those, those actors in the, in the middle of the hallway pretending like they're on the, the big dipper or the giant yeah. dipper. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. It's like they, you know, they cram into this little hallway and every, they're all, you know, acting like they're on the roller coaster. And so it's crazy. Yeah. Or the, all the other rides that, that are going on. And then, yeah, it's a, uh, what a life to live. And you have no free will. You're you're doing whatever your counterpoint on the on the top side is doing. Yeah. So, you know, you don't know what's what's really going to happen. And they're Addie's locked. She's locked up now, right? She's in handcuffs. Right. Then she gets handcuffed to the to the end table or the coffee table, right? And she tells uh, Zora to just to run because she's run. track store. So. Star, so she just says run. She right. immediately takes off running. And um, her Jason goes, Umbre yeah, goes like goes after her, but does that like classic um, movie slasher movie psycho move of like not running? Mm-hmm. She's like, well, you know what? I'm gonna fast walk after you, and I'm still gonna catch up. But her face is just so creepy. She's like, and determined, yes. like, yeah, she does that like head tilt down and eyes up, and it's yeah. Very reminiscent. Uh, then, speaking of Terminator Two, very reminiscent of of the T one thousand, Robert Patrick's character. Yeah, yeah. Head down, eyes up. You know, just like straight ahead. You're not going to stop me. Unstoppable force. Right. Yeah, and it, it's it's very effective. It's very effective. It works <laughs> it very is. well. Yes, it does. So, yeah, but then you see the boys. It's like uh, Red says, "Go play, boys, and try not to burn the house down." Hmm. Yeah. Which which makes me think because we see in the closet, uh, he takes uh, Jason mim- realizes that Pluto is going to mimic his moves, so he pulls the mask up, and so Pluto pulls the mask off, and we see he's all burnt, and that. So then I was thinking, oh, maybe that's why um, when they were first in the family was first in the house, and Jason had that little, it looked like a lighter, and he mm-hmm. kept sparking it, but it wouldn't spark. Um, and the sister said that only worked once, like a year, last year or something like that. And I'm wondering if that's how Pluto burned himself because the one time it worked, he burned yeah, himself on accident. The one time it worked, he got burned and mm-hmm. he's like horribly scarred now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is, yeah, that's why. And that's like, that's pretty messed up, you know, like this. Yeah. This kid, through no fault of his own, had to endure this because of the actions of. You know, his oh, and the person that he's tethered to. And speaking of which, uh, Addie's a doppelganger. Red mentioned that she had to go through childbirth with no fucking medication or not even. Now, I know women do natural childbirth, so it's not nothing uncommon. But, you know, a lot of women still, you know, get the epidural and, you know, you still, you know, go get the medication. So. When you don't have a choice, it's like, fuck, it seems like it's even worse. 
Right, and then the environment that they were in is like, where did she give birth on the floor oh, of yeah. a cold hallway? You know, <laughs> like not yeah, unsterilized. You know, unsterilized in a, a cold hallway, and and that's all like, and all they had were these scissors. <laughs> oh, that's right. The good, the gold. Everyone's got gold scissors, right? That's like their weapon of choice. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's got these antique-looking, like massive uh, shears. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know if we ever figured out exactly where those came from or why no. they were in the tunnels, but somehow there were rabbits and shears in these. Maybe the shears were to cut the rabbits up so they can eat. Yeah, and that could be that could be what that was for. It's like, well, they gave them scissors, but not knives. <laughs> um, but the scissors are somehow it's somehow scarier than if they had like everybody had a butcher knife. Yeah, that's true. Scissors are scary. I guess I don't know why. It just it really is. Yeah. So you know, so the the boys in the closet, and then that's how you figure out that the tethered still kind of some of them still have to kind of mimic mm-hmm. the actions of the kid that they're tethered to or the person that they're tethered to. So um, he manages to get away, but then like the dad, the poor dad. Like, you know, run out to the boat. Or wait, the girls' scene was before that, wasn't it? The girls, the uh, um, yeah, the uh, in the middle of the road, Zora's running, and then they get to the car, and then they do that whole. It's like a, it's like a trope in horror movies where like they're both on the other side of an object, and then the, the killer ducks down, and then the, the hero or heroine in this case, you know, looks and like doesn't see the the killer anymore, and. She's on top of the car, and then she starts running. And the funny part is the guy comes out, the owner of the car is like, hey, what the fuck? Yeah, like, what the fuck are you doing? Which, again, is like something that would happen in reality. Like, that brings it back to reality where it's like, yeah. okay, this is actually how people would behave. It's like, the fuck are you climbing around on my car? You know? Yeah. <laughs> get down. He's like, get over here. Like, he's like mad. He's like, get over here. Like, inviting uh, Umbre to kill him. But he right. does, he has no idea, though. Because he has no idea that this little girl is actually, like, going to kill, you know, she's... Homicidal. A bloodthirsty <laughs> homicidal maniac, so... And then he gets it with the, the scissors. He gets the scissors yep. right to the abdomen. <laughs> and so Zora runs back. Um, and then uh, this one, Gabe and, and Abraham have their, their battle on the boat. On his little dinghy. <laughs> we didn't even talk about that in the beginning when when he was <laughs> the craw daddy. <laughs> when he was going the circles daddy. in the lake. And he's just doing donuts. <laughs> he's just riding this little tiny boat. like. And he's yeah. all happy and proud. And the, the family's like, are you serious? He expects us to get on that. It, big, it's barely even big enough for him. <laughs> yeah, but he's super happy that he got his boat. And he's right. he's very proud of it. But yeah, he gets like... He gets beaten up and thrown into a bag, and you know, mm-hmm. he's in a bag on the back of the boat, and he's like trying to, you know, tear oh, his right. way out, like, which is so nerve wracking because how do you tear your way out of a garbage bag like quietly? Yeah, it crinkles all the time. Anytime yeah. you move, it's gonna crinkle. Yeah, but luckily, like the boat motor, you know, kind of sputters out, like yeah. he already knows, and then he gets the upper hand. Um, Abraham tries to get back on the boat, and that's when he starts the motor again, and it pretty much just per- the propeller cuts him up. Yeah. So that's how he gets uh, Abraham, and then he gets back to the house. 
Um, this is about the time when when Addie's like getting crushed by Red, right? Getting her her face crushed by Red. Mm-hmm. And I forget what happens. How do they get away from that? Um. Oh my God, I can't remember exactly. Um. Yeah, I might have to cut this part out. Let me think here. Um, so the boys are in the closet. Yeah. Is that what happens? She gets distracted by the boys and then jo- uh, Josh, not oh. Josh um, and then Gabe comes in. Right. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Um, I think that's what happens. I think like she gets, uh, Red gets distracted by the boys. By Jason. Yeah. yeah, because Jason locks Pluto in the closet and he's like, you know, freaking out in the closet. Mm-hmm. And he's making these like horrible kind of. Because he doesn't talk. He's just making he guttural talk. sounds. Yeah. yeah. So he's kind of making these horrible sounds and like banging on the doors or whatever. Right. And then um, that's when Gabe comes in and saves her, saves the family. And, you know, they're all like they got to decide where they're going to go. Right. And of course, you know, where are they going to go? Well, let's go to Josh's. He has a generator, you know, like, yeah, it's that like they don't know that this is happening to everyone yet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They, they yeah. do soon, but they get to the house and um, that's when we see. Well, I think they, they showed us uh, Josh and, and what's her name? Kitty. And they, they got problems of their own. They're always making those backhanded compliments slash insults to each other about drinking and all that stuff and yeah um, they're they're very unkind to each other and it's you know it's no wonder their daughters are so catty and unhappy like their parents are very much the same way with each other so it seems like they're they're together just because they have kids and they don't want to break up or something I i don't know it just it's not a good dynamic it doesn't yeah. it's, it's not it's not like gabe and, and addy's family where they're all loving and joking and everything and totally yeah up. yeah and i think there's kind of a juxtaposition there is like you know the family that has less stuff but is actually happier and then the family that has like this giant glass like literally glass house like their house is just all <laughs> fucking windows like who lives there like that way but okay like their house is like all windows but right. they're still uh, deeply unhappy. Yeah, but the, that was like one of the more chilling scenes when they were we were in the the last name's Tyler when we were in the the Tyler house, and the girls come out and start talking to their parents, and then their doppelgangers just come out of nowhere and stabs them in the fucking head. Yeah, that was that was I was like, oh shit, what the hell just happened? Yeah, so you know, so then the family gets there to the friend's house and. I don't know how they didn't immediately realize this was not Josh. Yeah, because we we knew because he was wearing red with the bathrobe over. He had that red smock on him. Yeah, and and his hair was all messed up. He was also a lot thinner. You know, he was like, you know, like the doppelganger was a lot thinner. Emaciated because all they eat is rabbit and that's it. And they, they don't get any exercise or even see like the sun. So they're all like paler and. Um, yeah, but, he had the, you know, he had the facial hair. He was clearly wearing like the red jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but for whatever reason, they overlook all of those things and they go into the house. Right. They go into the house um, and then they realize quickly that these uh, these are these are also enemies. So they dispatch them. I thought that was a great 
So talking about juxtaposition, first off, when the Tyler family gets killed, they're playing good vibrations in the background. That's right. That makes that scene so, so creepy. Is that, yeah, playing uh, the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys. They're on Santa Cruz. You know, they're in Santa Cruz. Yeah. Boy song and it's a it's a very lighthearted look love song. But then she goes, to, she tries to use their Alexa, which is not an Alexa. I don't uh, know. Ophelia. 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 They call. Yeah. There's probably a reference there that I'm gonna have to like look up and sort out Ophelia. What? The, well, the, the only th- Ophelia I remember is from Hamlet, right? Hamlet's mom. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so you're saying? Yeah, but it it's so funny because when she tries to call 911, she's like, call the police. And it starts playing. <laughs> fuck the police. It starts playing. Fuck the police. By NWA, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's I like, thought I, I thought it was gonna. I thought they were gonna play uh uh, uh what do you call it, the Every Breath You Take or something like that. I thought that oh, would be funny too. Yeah. It was like play the police. Yeah. But it, it yeah it's like playing fuck the police. You know it's just <laughs> but, like yeah. that's something that would probably happen to me in real life too. Like yeah, you have to be very specific. <laughs> with any type of virtual assistant or you don't know what you're going to get. So. Oh yeah. Just, just this weekend, I was asking Siri to play stuff. I'm like, you know what? I'm just Cause obviously you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So like, it'll just be faster um, if I do it myself. But there was, it was an effective, I, I loved it. Cause you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a hip hop guy. I I grew up on hip hop. That was the uh, that was like my first love of genre. It's not my first um, music I was introduced to because my parents used to introduce me and my brother to like James Brown and Motown and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when I finally found like a genre that I loved, I remember it was rap. It was like Walk This Way by Run DMC. I'm like, what what kind of music is this? I love this. And so like, fuck the police. Also played, uh, NWA played a special part of my childhood because it was the first time I ever successfully logically argued my mom to let me listen to the that type of music. <laughs> because I had a tape, I, I made a tape, uh, a copy, a dub of uh, my friend's cassette. Um, he had the original and I just took a Maxell or whatever mm-hmm. and made a copy. And she found it and she's like, you can't listen to this. And I said, look. My brother and I, we don't do this type of stuff. We like for for the music, and that's the only reason we like to listen to this because of the music. And she's like, "Okay, I'll give it back to you." And, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing the my my argument, and I was like 12 years old or something like that. And the fact that it worked, I'm like, "Oh my god!" Years later, my mom told me she realized that when I was making that argument, because she used to love the Rolling Stones and her, her parents, my grandparents didn't like the Rolling Stones Yeah. and didn't get it. The sex, drugs and rock and roll. That wasn't anything my mom ever was into or did, but she liked music. And so I, unbeknownst to me, I used her own youthful logic <laughs> to my advantage. <laughs> you used her own logic against her. Yeah. yeah. To and validate so, that. Yeah, and so just to have that song in this movie was fucking great. It was it was awesome. It was uh, and but that that scene is great because Zora actually comes into her own in that, where she like takes out two, she takes out the mom and she takes she, out one of the kids. Yeah, she does, and wow, she is tough because fifteen year old me could not have done that. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Well, yeah, it didn't. It, it took her like a, at least a couple interactions before she got the the gumption or the ambition to actually do it and, and follow through with it. But when she did, she was fucking badass. Yeah. Yeah. That was really 
really amazing. And then, um, so they're talking about whether or not, so after this has happened and like they, the whole they, family, they is, killed the Tyler. Dead. Yeah. The doppelgangers. The yeah. Tyler's doppelgangers are all dead. Um, they're talking and they're sitting there talking about what they should do next. And then they call they the police the and Don't they, they call the police and, yeah. and they, they were, they said all circuits are busy and like how the fuck all circuits are busy. They don't get it. Yeah. Like dispatch is all busy. And then they, so they turn on the TV and they find out like, Oh, like something real bad's going on. And they're watching the, mm-hmm. little, the news report. Um, and while they're watching the news report, like the, guy doing the news his doppelganger comes out and attacks him oh, that's right <laughs> yeah, it's, like everybody, it's chaos it's absolute chaos but they kind of realize like well okay so this is happening everywhere and then they kind of mm-hmm. have, have this moment of well what are we gonna do now and the dad wants to stay he's like i want to stay here it makes sense to stay here. We have everything we need. We can just mm-hmm. hide out in this giant glass house. And they're like sitting around. <laughs> Their dead friend's body is like in the middle. Right. Yeah. Of the yep. coffee table. And they're all sitting around. And I think. Uh, I think the, the mom doesn't want to. St- I think the mom doesn't want to stay because she realizes that's kind of like where the epicenter is. And she wants to get out. Yeah. And I, I think that. Yeah, she realizes that's where the epicenter is, and I think that she still has that feeling that Red is coming for her. And, you know, that feeling that she mentioned when she was wanting to leave at the beginning, she's like, Mm -hmm. she still has that feeling that she needs to run, that she needs to get away. Right. Um, Yeah, and I I think there's, at that point, the dad says something about making booby traps, but the kids have never seen Home Alone. <laughs> they right. have no idea. They're like, what is Home Alone? You know, like. But yeah, because the mom's like, didn't the mom, did? didn't Addie's like, you want to do some dumbass Home Alone type shit or something? I forgot yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's the one who pointed it out. <laughs> yeah. And the kids are like, and this what is, is just Home Alone? Like, they don't even know. <laughs> this is just like a Jordan Peele's like sense of humor. Like he gets there's some humor in his writing and he knows when to add it and not be like like a set up punchline, like, you know, just like an added joke in the movie. It's kind of like natural. It, it, he lets it evolve yeah. naturally. Yeah, it's very natural. And <laughs> <laughs> I love that moment. So there are some like good lighthearted moments in this movie even though it's very very dark and scary right. there are some like good I don't, um, I don't think i don't think jordan peele can help himself though i think that's just him yeah i think so and I, but i think it works very well um mm-hmm. yeah i think his style is different from just about anybody i can think of you know but i think yeah. he does very well um, you're right so you know they're gonna they're going to decide to leave and they're going to get back in the car and yeah. Drive down to Mexico. Right. Or something like that. That was their idea. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which makes sure sense. Why, but I'm not sure why Mexico. Because there was no underground tunnels, any government like conspiracy to, to create oh, doppelgangers. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. I, I, like... I, I got it the second time I watched it. I'm like, Oh, that's why they want to go down there. Cause there's no tunnels. There's no doppelgangers. It's just, it's yeah, this was quote, this was the country. United States government's problem, and right. they're gonna they're gonna fix it, um, or they're gonna escape it. Mm-hmm. You think that like you think that everything is gonna kind of look better 
in the daylight of this movie because you know like you said like it utilizes the dark and the nighttime shots are so good and um but it turns out that everything just kind of looks worse yeah and i compare that to everywhere (laughs) when when i used to go to raves and like everything was fun and 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 i'm almost like uh it was like a carnival and, and fun, like in the night. But when the day came, it was like, ugh, like I was partying with these fucking people. <laughs> right. You're like, never mind. Feels bad. Going home. Yeah, I'm going home. Like, I used to hate the day. Like, I, I didn't go to a lot. Of, I mean, maybe went to a handful of raves. But I remember it was about the second or third one I realized. I'm like, man, we got to get out of here before the sun comes up because everything sucks in the in the light. Yeah. yeah. Anything like, bad that happened at night looks worse in the daylight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely looks, especially in the case of this movie, it definitely looks worse. Right, because they're driving through Santa Cruz and everything. There's just death and destruction, mayhem all over the place. They see like a line of of people dressed in red, um, which, I mean, we're not spoiling anything because, I mean, people who, who listen to this have already seen it, hopefully. But we see a line of people across. Now there is a train track in front of the Santa Cruz boardwalk because they do have like a like an old timey train that takes people for rides, like a full size fucking train. So there is a train track. So they see these people along the or across the train track going from you know into like the the buildings. That's a that's an actual you know that actually exists. Um, we just think I just thought it was like kind of like they're setting up the line so they can't get by. But really, we find out later they're doing hands across America. And yeah. that's where it starts. Yeah. Which <laughs> they never explain why. It's never explained like why or what happens after the movie. But mm-hmm. um, they're doing Hands Across America. And so, you know, they, they've had the little argument about who should drive. And. <laughs> oh, it's, it, yeah. It, before they get to the town, yeah, they have the argument about who should drive. And, and Zora gets the nod. She yeah, because fucking... Addie's still handcuffed and the, the dad is severely injured or Gabe is severe, severely injured. So, yeah. you know, she she finally gets a drive, which is something she's wanted to do the entire movie. And she mm-hmm. ends up running over Ombre. Right. Um, they There's a little fight. Uh, and then she does the whole break thing where Ombre goes flying off and then she gets impaled by a, a branch. Yeah. Yeah. Which was right. a that was a pretty good scene. That was a pretty scary death scene and that's a pretty good uh uh uh, horror movie trope you know the person on top of the car trying to Mm -hmm. kill you from on top of the car you yeah so she's dead they're driving through town and they see pluto right in front of the car oh that's right yeah and then right in front uh because they're their their own car is on fire because they're in, in the tyler's car yeah and their own car is on fire and that's when Jason realizes this is his moment to shine. <laughs> and he steps out of the car and he starts backing up, walking backwards. And cause he knows Pluto's going to match his, his movements and he gets Pluto to walk backwards into the fire. Yeah. So he's, because he's poured gasoline out and he's, you know, gonna... he was about to, yeah, he's about to light the car on fire. So Jason, you know, is the hero of the moment. He, he kills Pluto before Pluto kills them. But then Suddenly, like, you know, Jason's out of view for, like, just a minute, and mm-hmm. suddenly he's gone. Red, yeah. And we find out Red kidnapped him. So Ad- Addie's after Red, and um, he knows, th- or she knows that uh, he got taken into the Hall of Mirrors, right? Yeah. 
And Addie is, just as a side note, it seems like she was very disturbed. Like, she was very bothered by Pluto walking backwards into the flames. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like, as, there, a, that was... as a mother, like, not, she's she doesn't want that, you know, for any child. But it's possible, like, she feels a connection to these kids, even though they're trying to kill her and her family. Like, it seems like she still feels a connection to them, and she doesn't want to see this, like, happen. Right. Um, and then, you know, she discovers that Jason's gone and she's got to go down into the tunnels and, you know, ride the escalator to hell down, you know, back down. Uh, <laughs> right. And <laughs> Gabe down. and, yeah, Gabe and Zora find a, a shelter in an abandoned ambulance. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, um, Addie goes down into the elevator, elevated to hell, as you called it, and uh, then finally uh, confronts Red in the, the final battle. The uh, yeah, which and, I thought was very well scored as far as you know, like the, oh, the all back to the so uh, I, yeah. I got five on it, yeah, yeah, and it and just but the uh, like orchestral version that they mm-hmm. used and the way the whole uh ballet scene and um fight scene is edited together between them, um, it's just fantastic, it's so so good and. That yeah, that score works out perfectly with it. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably like one of my favorite scenes in a horror movie, and it's so not. It's like completely unconventional. It's not something you've seen in any other horror movie. The way that he's set this up, but um, it's it's really really effective. And you know, she's doing the ballet, and um, and then we find out the whole reason why she was so special and she was able to like set this chain of events into motion. The hands across America chain of events. Yeah. The hands across <laughs> America chain of events. Um, right. And, and I was like, I was, I was taking it back. I'm like, why didn't we see, why didn't I see this before? I think that that's a really good point about um, a twist in a movie is making it like uh, plausible. Like, Oh yeah, that, that really, that really could have happened. Then, like, how, why didn't I see it before? Like in any movie, like you, you say, I think it's Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, why didn't I fucking see this? Like, they gave us clues throughout the whole fucking thing, and we didn't realize it till at the very end when it was fucking slapped across our faces. Yeah, yeah, and it, like he, Jordan Peele does this so well. He does yep. this like little twist at the end, and it's like, okay, you know, here's this is what it was. Mm-hmm. And then you go back and you put all the little pieces together that were foreshadowing the, the thing the whole time. And I think you definitely see more of that when you rewatch it. Yep. The second time you pick up on all those little, like, he straight up told you. He told you right there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so you see that in this and you see that a lot in uh, Get Out as well, where it's like, yeah. yep, he told oh, us. Yeah. He said it right there. We just didn't pick up on it. You know? <laughs> plain as day, yeah. Yeah, plain as day. Um, and oh, I was gonna say the uh, the I remember when I first saw this and the fight scene happened and they were circling each other and as soon as they they started playing that orchestral version of I got five on it, I got chills. I got chills on it because it was like, holy shit, that's so fucking cool. I've never seen that in a movie ever. Like uh, do an orchestral version of a of a of a hip hop song. Yeah. You, you see it a lot, you know, like with with 
rock songs and and you know blue songs or or even like oldies but mm-hmm. it's the first time i ever seen it done with a, a hip-hop song if, if i'm wrong you know let me know in the comments but i just thought it was fucking amazing yeah very very cool it was like a great use of soundtrack and like overall this whole movie i thought was just an, a really great use of the soundtrack um, and it was it was parts at the beginning, and then you bring that chanting back. Um, several well, the, other the composer times. this this is his second film. His first film was was Get Lost or Get Out. Mm-hmm. And so this is like the composer. I'm like, did, he did a fabulous job throughout the whole movie, not just with the needle drops, but um, well, I, I don't know if he had anything to do with the needle drops, but just the the background music was just chilling when it's supposed to be, you yeah. know, a light when it was supposed to be. He he did an excellent job. Yeah, and like you you need that. Sound is so important and sometimes the absence of sound is so right. important in horror mm-hmm. movies to get that atmosphere and if it's if it's too over the top, it takes away from the overall feel of the movie, but there there's a sweet spot there and they really hit that sweet spot with the soundtrack of this movie. Yeah, and it all culminated with with the fight scene and and of course Addie wins. And then uh, she gets, she finds Jason, and they leave. Um, the hands across America thing, I think. Well, well, let's talk about the the twist at the end. Was the fact that they showed us what happened in the first scene when Addie went into the Hall of Mirrors. Um, Red or the doppelganger gets the best of her, knocks her out, drags her, and handcuffs her to a bed. And then goes and takes her place in the room, yeah, takes her shirt off. Yeah, her to the bed, takes her yeah. Thriller t-shirt, puts the hand of, Hands Across America shirt on her, and, mm-hmm. you know, goes goes and assumes her identity. Right, yeah. And when she, you know, she's finally able, and that's why Red was able to talk out of all the doppelgangers, all the, uh, the, the tethered. She's the only one who's able to talk because she already knew how to talk. When she was yeah. 15 or, or 12 or 11, yeah, whatever but it was. Her, her doppelganger, when she's uh, knocking her out on the bed, you know, she chokes her. Mm-hmm. And so it crushes her windpipe a little bit or damages her vocal cords. So Red. That's a good point. Yeah. So Red, like the original Addie Red, she can speak, but she speaks in a very hoarse, raspy. Labored. Yeah, it's very difficult, but she can she can still speak, and you know she retains um, some of her identity. Right. Yeah, and, and that's what that. and that's what the other tether realized about her, and that's why she became like a leader. To yeah. Them. Yeah. So she kind of was able to set the whole thing into motion and mm-hmm. teach everybody how to kill using scissors. And, yeah. You know. Be like, well, we're going to have a revolution and we're all going to get out of here and we're going to do Hands Across America because that's the last thing that I remember from my childhood is that Hands Across America was happening. Yeah. And they yeah. and they show the final scene is like they pan up on this like sprawling like hillside and you see like a bunch of people dressed in red holding hands across the hillside. And you have no explanation for like how long do they do this? When does it stop? Like, what do they do after? Like, where does right. this go after? I was going to ask you that because I, I listened to this podcast called The Rewatchables, and all they do is re, uh, review movies, like, uh, you know, and it's rewatchable movies, movies you, you'd watch. Like, anytime it comes online, you're like, oh, I'm going to watch this scene. 
and then you end up watching like the rest of it. Um, and they, a new thing they add is like, what happened the next day? So what do you think happened the next day on this one? You know, I have to think that at some point, law enforcement or the National Guard or the military in some version, right? Somebody is going to start getting this under control. Um, but what do you do? Yeah, because that, like, what do yeah. you do with them? It was like, do you lock them all up again? They're not. They're no longer tethered to. They're they're no longer tethered to their other person because they killed their other person. Mm-hmm. But don't you think maybe like half of them, like maybe like in on army bases and air force bases, like maybe half of the soldiers get killed in, in on U.S. soil anyway. If, if you're off somewhere, you know, like you know, um, on a different base or you're vacationing somewhere, you know, like in the south of France, maybe you don't get killed. So because you're tethered is still in the tunnel like somewhere like pretending they're in the south of france right yeah yeah but i i don't know because they don't have they no longer have red to tell them what they're supposed to do so Mm -hmm. now in a sense they are truly untethered yeah and they don't have a leader they don't have anybody that's controlling their actions anymore so, so yeah, they, they eventually get. They just walk off and they're like, "Well, gonna go do something else," you know. Yeah, eventually they get wiped out because they have no free will. They they have no mind of their own, right? Yeah, they they don't know. Like I don't know. I I have no idea where you would even go from there. It's like because the government can't. You can't just come in and like, well, we're just gonna mow them all down and pretend they didn't <laughs> exist because now the whole world knows they exist. So oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> So it's not like, well, we can just, you know, poison them or something like, boo, they're gone. Um, Like, (laughs) do you try to put them on trial? They can't speak. None of them can assist in their own defense in any way. So it's not like you can really put them on trial. So it's like, and and they also, yeah, they they don't have like a a lot of it. There's no proof that they killed anybody anyway. They just appeared. Right. Right. And it's like the only way to tell if somebody's the doppelganger or the real person is whether or not they can talk, I guess. Like, Right. So anyway, either way, however it, it ends, um, it does end. The, the movie ends. Um, it's almost like a glorious ending too. the way they, they pan up and they show like, hey, we did it. We, we did what uh, our counterpoints could never do. <laughs> yeah, we did Hands Across America. And it, it's like. The idea, but the idea of that is almost a little absurd. The fact that they did all this and that was their, that was their end game. Yeah, it is absurd. You're right. <laughs> like their, their an, end game wasn't even to like assume their uh, counterparts' lives. They weren't trying to right. move it. They were just like, well, we're. I killed you. Now I'm untethered. Now I'm joining Hands Across America. Yeah, it wasn't like body snatchers or anything. It was just like we wanted to do Hands Across America. That's all yeah. we wanted to do. <laughs> that was. <laughs> Good yeah. Point. So who knows? Who knows how long they stand there? <laughs> it, that's just... that's a that's a that's a part of uh, Jordan Peele's humor right there. I think that's part of his uh, his uh, the way he writes stuff, the way he thinks. I think it's hilarious. 
I yeah. never thought of that. So <laughs> you mentioned it right now. Um, some of the trivia that I found on uh, on IMDb because I really love going on there. Um, Jordan Peele gave the cast eleven horror fil- films to watch so they they would have a shared language when filming. All right, keep a count. I want you to tell me okay. how many of these films you've seen. Okay. All right, Jaws. Of course. Uh, Dead Again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Shining. I mean, who? I mean, yeah, right. Who has it? Uh, the Babadook. Oh yeah. I've never yeah. heard of that one. Oh, you've seen it? Okay. Um, it follows. Mm-hmm. I just watched it. I thought it was really good. I liked it. It made me think about it afterwards. Um, A Tale of Two Sisters. Yep, that's a Korean horror movie, right? Or oh, maybe that's. 2003. It says I, I've never seen it, so I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's Korean horror. All right. Uh, the Birds. Of course, yeah. Classic, very classic, classic movie. Funny Games. I remember it. I never saw it though. I'm not sure if I've seen that. I'll have to look it up. Um, the Mar- uh, Martyrs, 2008. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Let the Right One In, 2008. Mm-hmm. The Sixth Sense, 1989. Yeah. Wow. So you've seen ten one of out of the eleven? Sure. And Funny, funny Games. games. Hold on, I'm, I'm gonna really click on it right now. I'm going to click on it, and it is uh, director Michael Haneke. Um, also, he wrote it um, with Susan Lothar, Ulrich Mouye, Arno Frisch. Um, wow, I've never even heard of this movie. Two violent young men take a mother, father, and son hostage in their vacation cabin and force them to play distant games with one another with one another for their own amusement. I don't think I saw this. I, I yeah, think I don't think actually, so either. I think I actually avoided seeing this because somebody told me it was pretty disturbing. So I might have to go. Wa- I might have to go back and watch it and see. Is that the one where like the, the there's a family in a kit log cabin and like they look outside and there's like a bunch of, like three or four people like with hoods on and they try not to let them in and they actually they get in and then they hold them hostage. Yeah, they, might be yeah they hold them hostage and um yeah i i think they it, they it kind of do like it's kind of the same concept as like saw you know where it's like mm-hmm. you know you have to make a choice about whether you're going to do this oh, or this is going to happen to somebody game. else and it's kind of like but it's a family <laughs> so you know you have like the mom has to decide if she's going to save the husband or the son or, you know, it's like all of these horrible, mm-hmm. horrible choices, um, I think, is what it is. But I'm going to have to go watch it and make sure. I think A Tale of <laughs> Two Sisters, I believe they bring yeah, it, they, it, it, is, it is a home uh, from a, a mental institution where she's been institutionalized for a while. And then the uh, it is a it is a Korean movie. Okay, and then it looks like (laughs) I thought there was also a pretty recent um, American remake of that. But oh yeah, maybe um, after spending the time in a mental institution, two devoted sisters return home to the home of their father and cruel stepmother. Once there, in addition to dealing with their stepmother's obsessive, unbalanced ways, an interfering ghost also affects their recovery. So there you go. Um, and that it was one of the really first good. to be screened in American theaters. 
Yeah, don't don't read too much about it in case you want to watch it because it does have a good I, twist. I do like. Speaking of twists, Parasite was so fucking great. I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah that, that was, was a, really. I think that's the first uh, Korean movie I saw and like remade or dubbed or anything. It was just it was all in Korean the subtitles mm-hmm. and I didn't mind. I thought that year I understand why it won. Um, I did like uh, Once Upon a Time in America a little. No, no, the Joker that year. I thought I was a little bit better than the Parasite. The um, um, what's it, the the Joaquin Phoenix the Joker. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fucking fabulous. But I understand why Parasite won that year. Um, moving on um, to the next trivia on IMDb about us, Lupita Nyong'o's based based red voice on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and specifically the spasmodic dys- dysphonia he suffers from, and I had no idea he suffered from that. That yeah, I can see that. I can see it now that now that I know that's what she was basing it on. Yeah, I can see it. Um, the filmmakers did not need to do much work on Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, as many games and rides are originals going far back as the 1910s. And I got to say, um, I think I told you this on our, our first recording, but um, I don't know if our listeners really realize, but Walt Disney got his ideas for his dark rides at Disneyland um, based on the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk uh, Beach Boardwalks. A dark ride, the the caveman trained dark ride. Now I'm talking dark ride as in like you know like the Alice in Wonderland, the mm-hmm. Peter Pan, the Pinocchio, like where yeah. you go on like a, um, you're on a, a like a train or a cart or something, and you go through like a dark, you know, you're you're not in the sun, you're like in a, in a room, and you go through and you talk about or and you go through like an experience. Yeah. And so he he based a lot of his rides on that. Because of the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. He was there and he rode on the ride and he liked the idea. And that's, yeah, the I story didn't know that. I, that's actually really cool. I was there with my daughter. I think she was about four or five years old. And we went on, on that specific ride, the, the train. And it's been, you know, um, upkept and everything. It, um, but we you go in, you're on the train. It's really slow moving. And you go into this cave. And it gets really dark for a little while. Like the whole train is in darkness. And I was sitting next to my daughter and she goes, Dada, yeah, are you still here? Because she couldn't see me. <laughs> and she's, and I go, yeah, and I go here. And then like I scooted next to her and I, I had to put my arm around her just to let her know I was still there. That's how dark this ride is. It just gets totally pitch black. And then you you see scenes of like, you know, every, all the the cavemen and, and dinosaurs and animals and whatever and rocks are like painted in like fluorescent paint and then there's oh, there's okay. uh, black the black lights so everything kind of glows after that but right when you enter that 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 tunnel it's pitch black and you, even if it's like a 90 degree day bright you know no clouds in the sky a day you cannot see anything for a little, like 2 or 3 seconds that's pretty creepy yeah that's honestly that that is pretty creepy. <laughs> but yeah, that was funny. creepy. I don't think it's supposed to be scary, but that's like it's just supposed to remove you of the outside world and trying to delve you into this. But but when you look at like the animatronics or you know the the robots that they have of the the caveman, totally cartoonish, you know. <laughs> it's, uh... Right. Of course. Of course. Um, like the Lost Boys in 1987, several key scenes take place on Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. This is even referenced in universe 
and Adelaide uh, says, you know, they're shooting the movie over there by the carousel. Oh. So, yeah, if you watch the, the, the Lost Boys, the opening scene, there's a security guard walking to his uh, car and a bunch of, I don't even know if it's the opening scene. I think it's like little kind of into the movie, right? Yeah. Um, cause he doesn't he like kick the 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 boys off the boardwalk anyway. You see a POV like them swooping down. You can see like the whole like Santa Cruz Beach boardwalk and the rising and everything. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea that's where that was. Uh, let's see. They they have here the Jeremiah eleven eleven. Um, Duke Nicholson's character are named uh, Danny and Tony, and Jordan Peele told them to part like loyal bartender from The Shining. Not realizing that he is Jack Nicholson's. Really? Uh, let me see here. Yeah. So Duke Nicholson, that's the, the he plays Jason, right? Isn't that yeah. the the name of Jason's character? The name of the Eric of the actor who plays Jason. Uh, during the filming at Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, the rides were all filmed with dumb and CGI was used to create moving people. Um, overhead shot of the Wilson driving. Oh, your your favorite one of your favorite shots. Oh, the yeah, overhead yeah. shot of the Wilsons driving to the vacation home, along with synchronized speech and mannerisms of the twins, is a reference to The Shining. That makes perfect sense. It seems like he really he does a lot of references to The Shining, and there you know some in Get Out also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I could see that. But yeah, and this one, yeah, because when they were when Jack and Shelley were driving to the Overlook Hotel, is that what it's called in the yeah, training? Yeah, Overlook. Yeah. Yeah. There's the overhead shot of them, you know, driving through the forest and the the hills and the, the mountains, I should say. Uh, takes Lupita Nyong'o would remain in character as Red, much to the consternation of the casting crew. <laughs> I wonder if she like talked to him that way too. She's just fucking with everybody. She <laughs> Right, you're right. That's pretty hilarious actually. Um yeah, but I mean that would definitely freak me out. She would she would scare the shit out of me if I had to be on set just, you know. What what if you're you're just like the uh craft services cart guy and your job is to push the cart and, <laughs> and she's still in character and she's yeah. like talking would you to you all drink? creepy. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's like, like yes. I would. <laughs> yeah, and that would freak me out. I would be like, you know what? I didn't need this job as bad as I think I did. I'd like leave. Hey, but it helped. I mean, she was so fucking fantastic in this movie. She, like, even though they all did well, she outshines everybody. Yeah. I mean, she, she really, really does. is amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, ironically, the name of the Tyler's unhelpful, unhelpful, and virtual assistant Ophelia derives from the Greek of. Ophelia, I'm, I'm probably butchered that, meaning help. It actually means oh. help. Okay, that makes sense. That's fair. Yeah. And another, there's so many, but I'm going to just end it right here. The fast food that the family, Copper Pots, a nod to Chester Copper Pot, the legendary treasure hunter in the Goonies, which is referenced many times in the movie. And plus in Nope, I think we talk about the Copper Pots. Uh, oh, yeah, right? yeah. Copper pots, the, the seafood restaurant, right? Yep, that's right. All right, anything else you'd like to add for um, uh, Jordan Peele Love Fest for us? 
You know, I, I don't know. I, I think that we already addressed what they do afterwards. I'd like, we don't know what happens mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, I think I had some like crazy thoughts of like where I was overthinking it. I may or may not have been really high and I was overthinking it about like, you know, this is like an allegory for killing your shadow self and like all this stuff. But, hmm. you know, now that I'm sober, it makes less sense. maybe some people out there they're listening to us high so maybe it told me total sense (laughs) yeah maybe it might it might but um i feel like with this movie and with get out i feel like there were a lot of people who were very critical and like saying Mm -hmm. that you know there was some kind of bullshit social justice message that was being like shoved down their throats or whatever. And it was like, I found that really frustrating that there were a lot of people in the horror community who dismissed us and didn't even watch it because they didn't enjoy Get Out. Hmm. That's crazy. I, I can see that though. And, but they're like, they're very, very different films. Stylistically, yep. you know, there's like parallels and stuff, but they're very, very different films. And um, oh, for sure. And also, this is more just, of a like a, a horror movie, and the other one was more like a racial commentary. If if you want to go that route, if, which yeah, if I you mean, want to go that route, it, but, hits, you know. it, it, it does hit you over the head with it. But I like the way this movie um, doesn't really portray that. There's really no racial overtones in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and so there's you know, some subtle people, there 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 are there are all subtle subtle tones of race racism or or racial differences, but for the most part, it's just two families who get dealing with doppelgangers or you know horrible situations in their own way. Right, and you know they're dealing with this like horrible circumstances, but mm-hmm. you know it's just that that's just like a little pet peeve that I had where you know I found out like well a lot of People in the horror community didn't even didn't even see this movie, and it's such a fantastic movie, but they didn't even bother to see it. So I wonder, in a few months, I'm gonna go back and look at reviews from Nope and see if more people saw that one or less. You know, because hmm. yeah, That's a good I, point. I, I just I hate that. It's like, you know, it's completely different. These are three like very different films from each other, so. You know, even if you didn't like us, you probably would still like Nope. You don't, you know, you don't know. But you don't know unless you actually go see it, so. Right. Or you're a racist and you just don't like black yeah. people in the lead. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that happens. <laughs> that There's a lot of that in the horror community as well. It's like they, but, you know, horror as a genre has always been kind of a place where these things are explored, like, um... Mm-hmm. Look at Candyman, or um, all the way back to oh, yeah. the stuff, which is all about like um, rampant capitalism and consumerism. Um, the people under the stairs—that's a good one. Oh, that's a really <laughs> like, good one, was, John Carpenter. Really yeah. Yeah, yeah. The people yep. under the stairs. Oh yeah, my my friends and I were obsessed with that one when it came out on VHS. Yeah, we bought it and we just watched it over and over again. Yeah, that you, you know, I rewatched that movie. Uh, I think middle of last year (laughs) and it was still really like it held up like really really well and then like some parts of it became even more like felt even more relevant 
because you know it kind of delves into the whole like slum lord gentrification irresponsible landlord mm. kind of things and it, it's like huh amazing how that's still relevant <laughs> yeah right yeah john carpenter he knows how to fucking write a movie i think yeah. uh oh yeah he might have been yeah. one of peel's uh inspirations anyway I love the part of people listening. My friends and I, we used to get high and we used to go, oh, I got him. I got him. I got him. I got him. When he thought he, he, he stabbed his own dog, but he thought it was the, the other kid, right? Yeah. When he stabbed him through the wall. Yeah, yeah. he stabbed him through the wall. <laughs> yeah. Poor doggy, though. But that, you know, that was my little, my, my little tangent there, so. How do you, what do you, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm stepping over our next, but um, what do you think of, uh, what do you think Jordan Peele is going to do next? Another horror movie, a drama, a comedy? What would you like him, or do you, do you even care? Like whatever he's he writes, you're going and directs, you're going to just go see. Yeah, I'm whatever he does, I'm going to go see it anyway because you know, I'm, whatever it is, I'm sure it's going to be something different, and you know, it'll be unique, and mm-hmm. you know, it'll have enough of the elements that I like in movies to get me to go to the theater. I think, and at this point. I feel like his name commands an audience. Oh, yeah. You know, I like see that. just based on it's like, oh, it's a new Jordan Peele movie. Like, I'm probably going to go see it just because I'm a fan of his other work. But um, I really I would like to see another horror movie and I would like it to be called Fuck That. <laughs> because throughout the entire movie, right? us, I was constantly saying, nope. Nope. And throughout yep. the entire movie, nope. I was constantly saying Fuck that. Fuck that. So <laughs> that's so fucking awesome. As it should be called F. Fuck that. As, as a yeah, as a, as a marketing device, so you'd have to say F that. You couldn't say fuck that. You could, right. You, you could put that on a. Fuck that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that would be. Um, that's my that's my hope for the next movie is that it's just gonna be fuck that. So I I went up to his IMDb. He's got a couple um voice voiceovers coming out in the next oh, cool. couple years. So as far as acting goes, that's he's just doing his work. And as far as direct the directorship goes, um, let me see here. Yeah, I don't. Uh, well, oh, I scrolled too far. I don't see anything. Nothing. Nothing in, yeah. the, in the works right now. Nope. Um, no. No. Uh, yeah. No. No uh, post production on anything yet. Out of curiosity, did did you watch Twilight Zone? That he did the. Uh... I know I I have not seen his Twilight Zones. Nope, not yet. I've I I know I've seen all the old ones. I I love all the old ones. I know he was involved with the new ones. I have not seen it. Okay, so just so that you know, each season mm-hmm. there is something that ties all of the episodes together, and oh. you won't know what it is until the last episode of each season. And Thanks. it's so good, oh, and bitch. it's going to be that same experience where it was slapping you in the face the whole time. <laughs> so highly recommend. I think those are available for free on um, Pluto TV. On Prime. On Pluto. Um, okay, I got Pluto. I'm not sure if they're on Prime. They used they used to be for a little while, but then I think they moved to Paramount Plus. Mm. And I think it's Paramount tough. owns Pluto You're TV. Right. It, so it I is on. Those up there. It is on Paramount Plus here. Right All right. Uh, thanks. This would be um, this one a little bit longer than the last one, but I think we we touched on some really good points. Yeah, I, I think, think this we, was a better we had episode. Some like little 
we had some little breaks you can probably cut out for continuity, but but don't cut out any of my random tangents because why no. would you? Yeah, of course. We gotta love your tangents. Thanks so much. It's good to talk to you. You too. Bye bye.